0: Thank you for joining us for this Vive Church podcast. We have something special coming up this summer that we want to invite you to. Our very first Vive Conference, There is a Hope, on August 25th and 26th in San Francisco. For more information on how to register, visit viveconference.com. Now, we know this podcast is going to speak directly to you, so we hope you enjoy it. If you don't know me, my name is Vance. I am one of the associate pastors here and also help lead our San Francisco location with my beautiful wife, Kim. God is doing some amazing things up there. Revival is breaking out up there. And and I'm just excited because last week I was able to tune in to see what God launched through Pastor Adam's word on a calculated confidence. How many people's confidence are up right now? You got the equation. You got the mathematical equation. And I loved his first two points around our calculated confidence. Pastor Adam was talking about how it's not just our conviction, Because our conviction is that inside revelation, but it's matched with our confession. That our confession needs to be matched with our conviction, and and I love that because the enemy, what he'll try to do, because he can't, you know, he can't steal your calling. You've been called and set apart in Jesus' name. So what he'll try to do is he'll try to attack your confidence. But I know that last week we got our confidence up. We calculated our confidence and. And I just want to build upon that this morning, and I want to extend this series that we're in Psalms for the summer, because I was thinking about what else can come against our calling is not knowing our calling in the first place, right? That that it's critical to know your calling because it's the very filter that you need to look through life. It's the filter. When you know your calling, you know your meaning. When you know your calling, you know your purpose. When you know your calling, you know your significance. And and I feel like we can unpack this today in in this psalm that I've been really impacted by, Psalm 40. And as we stay standing, as we read the word, I'm just going to read 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation version. And it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. How many people are thankful that he hears our cry? Amen. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song. Somebody say new song song. to sing a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. See, today, maybe you relate to David and you've been in some muddy situations. You've been in some messed up situations and you've asked God why. Why, God? Like we say here at Vive Church, it's not just about the what, but the why behind the what. Why, God? And and maybe you're not in a bad situation, and maybe you're in a good season in life, and you've been blessed. And you've been still asking God, why? Why am I blessed? Why do I have all these resources? And the question I want to tackle today is surrounding this. Now that we have our confidence up, how can we in the best seasons of life, and even the worst seasons in life, magnify our God. Amen. I want to tackle this topic with a sermon I'm entitling Mud, Mountaintops, and Momentum. Mud, Mountain, that's three M's. The alliteration game is on point right now. I worked really hard on that. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you God for this incredible meeting we have and this opportunity to gather as one people all across the Bay Area. I pray that Today, this word wouldn't just be human words, but it would be blessed by your spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you, God, that people that are in muddy situations right now, in messed up situations, that you would take us out of that into solid ground like you did with David. And I pray right now we would get the practical tools, the empowerment we need to be able to continue to magnify you and our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody set. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Say hi to five people. High five, five people that you don't know as you take your seat in all locations. Thank you. Worship team. Incredible. We were uh, actually just with Pastors Adam and Kira in Sydney, Australia, meeting with uh, some of the teams at Hillsong as they were doing their Hillsong conference. Anybody ever heard of Hillsong? Um, yeah, just five people. That's cool. Uh, but, but they're doing an incredible work down there, actually having a global influence and being able to just learn from them. Because guess what? I don't know if you know this, but we're putting on our first churchwide conference this August 25th and 26th. Pastors Chris Durso, Benny Perez, Pastors Adam and Kira Smallcom, and actually we just recently announced that we're having Mac Brock for the last 10 years. He's been producing and worshiping at Elevation Church. You know that song, Do It Again? He wrote that. And he's gonna be here. Yeah, so two people are excited, but you need to just understand that we have an incredible opportunity. And more than just that, this is actually the one time in the year we get to gather literally as one church that you get to praise and worship our God and declare that there is a hope next to your your believer friend in Oakland and in San Jose and in San Francisco. You know how Pastor Adam always says that San Jose is a rowdy campus? You get to experience that in person. And so if you're not signed up yet, we'll pray for you after service, but (laughs) sign up, it's gonna be a fantastic time. But I have a question for you Uh, today, church. How many people are married How many married folk in the house? Okay, that's good. All across the campuses, we got some married folk represented, because I'm going to talk a little bit about the mud and some messy situations, and I can't talk about that without talking about marriage, right? But I've been blessed. I've been blessed with an incredible marriage. I've actually, this month, my wife and I, we celebrate six years in marriage. Six years, right, babe? Yeah, six years, I confirmed, between services, six years in marriage. And actually, a couple months ago, we were uh, had the privilege to, to celebrate a little early, and we took a trip out to the beautiful island of Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, we got some islanders in the house over here. I uh, like that. And uh, I'm convinced that it is paradise. I'm convinced I got the picture of heaven. I've fallen more in love with Jesus because if that's a glimpse of what we're going to, <laughs> that we're doing all right. And so we kind of went there, spent a couple days actually on the big island, right? And on the Big Island, there's not much to do, but there's some pretty incredible sights to see. Like one of the sights we got to see was live lava flow going into the ocean. That was pretty cool. And then also the other thing we really wanted to go see is this mountain called Mauna Kea. And if you know anything about Mauna Kea, it's technically the largest mountain in the world, but most of it's underground. The reason why I heard about it is because I saw it on Instagram. Instagram. And people have really cool pictures of being above the clouds when they reached the summit. So I had to do it for the insta pic. You know what I'm talking about? That's real. That is real. And, 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 so, and so I didn't really do any other research or preparation other than that. That was already the first mistake. And I've been driving all over the island that day. So my wife, Kim, she graciously volunteered to, to actually drive this leg of the trip. And so I took advantage of that and just kind of took a nap. I knew that we were about an hour away from our destination. So I took a little nap. I woke up about 40 minutes later, kind of just rubbing my eyes, getting orientated. And I was like, good job, babe. Thanks so much. And out of the corner of my eye, I recognized that orange button that was on the gas gauge. You know what I'm talking about? It was lit up. And so I asked, Kim, a little bit nervous now, how long has that gas gauge been lit up? She said, about 20 minutes, (laughs) okay? So my nervousness goes into a low-key panic at this point. But don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I got a plan. I have my GPS signal still on, so I'm going to actually search for the nearest gas station. Don't worry about it, babe. Don't stress out. We're going to figure this out. I Google search on Google Maps, the nearest gas station, and it's telling me that the nearest one is 40 miles away, back in the town of Hilo, where we came from. Yes, I'm freaking out now. And so she can kind of sense the the tenseness in my voice and how I'm getting a little bit worried now. And so she's asking me, what's the plan? And in my brilliance, I'm just like, keep going. We're going to make it to the summit. I need to get this Instagram pic. (laughs) So we're still 20 miles away. And now we're approaching the bottom of the mountain, and to my dismay, the last six miles has a 12% grade. So she is literally flooring it, burning so much gas, and I'm starting to pray and prophesy and speak in tongues. Lord Jesus, please, I just want to make it to the visitor center right now. And so by the grace of God, we make it to the visitor center and I'm just hoping, because we're not out of it yet, we're not out of the thick of it yet, I'm just hoping that the rangers at the summit of the mountain can help us locate some gas and this is what really put me in the pit of despair. When I told them we had no more gas left, they started laughing in my face, telling me that the nearest gas station is 40 miles away in Hilo. I knew that, that's why I was asking you for gas. Somebody say messed up. See, I tell you this story because when David is talking about the mud and the mire, he's just talking about messed up situations. How many people have been in some messed up situations before? That you've been going uphill in life for quite some time and you're on E right now. You don't have anything left. I'm talking about the single mom who doesn't feel like you have it in you to go another day. I'm talking about the dad with the pressure to provide. I'm talking about that unemployed young professional that it was exciting at first to look for jobs, but now that you're still unemployed several months later, you're starting to question your worth. I'm talking about messed up situations. Do we have a real church here, at Vod this morning? That, that, that David, he's talking about the mud and the mire, not because it's poetic, but he's been through it. See, David, the, the mighty man of God, the same David that defeated Goliath, the same David that took the Israelites, God's people, out of Uh, of captivity into prosperity the same David that was a mighty man of God not just a warrior but a worshiper was also messed up and created some situations for himself that were pretty messed up the same mighty man of God in 2nd Samuel 11 alone breaks five out of the 10 commandments that there's a story that we unpack in Second Samuel that talks about how David was on his balcony and he makes eyes with this girl Bathsheba and he knew that she was married but still decided to send a servant to get her so that he could sleep with her. And then to make matters worse, he actually calls Uriah, her husband, and sends him out lies to him and sends him out to battle in the front line so that he can die first, basically murdered him. That this mighty man of God made some pretty big mistakes and messed up, pretty much coveting, lying, stealing, committing adultery, and murdering all in one chapter of the Bible. See, I feel like today some people have come to church, wherever you are at, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, or here in Palo Alto, even online, you've come and you've dialed in and you've tuned in today because you're in a messed up situation. And maybe that messed up situation is based on a circumstance that's out of your control. Or maybe that messed up situation is based on some mistakes that you've made in the past. And you're here because you want to try to account for those mistakes. And while I believe our God is sovereign and can use any situation to draw you to himself, I also believe that I need to tell you today that God is not our spiritual accountant. God is not interested in in making sure that every mistake that you've made is reconciled in his books. He's not a spiritual accountant. He is your advocate. He is your advocate. Psalm forty. Verse five through six, as we continue on in the psalm that we're reading, it says this, David's like, oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I try to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Watch this. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. Look, you don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings offerings. Literally, David is getting a revelation that all God has done in his life is too numerous for him to list. He can't even start to begin to make a dent in the debt that he owes God. That God has done so many things that not even animal sacrifices, not even burnt offerings, whatever he can sacrifice and give to God doesn't even do a dent in the debt that he owes to God, that he's not your spiritual accountant. He is your advocate. Because John 14 talks about how Jesus, after he died for our sins and then went in the grave and then three days later overcame the grave, which means he overcame our sin, that he told the disciples, I must ascend to the Father now so that we can send you the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. the advocate, the comforter, the counselor. He sent The advocate, somebody that is for you, not trying to account for everything you've done wrong, but somebody that is for you, wanting to cover you. This is the good news of grace. This is the advocate that is in your corner, but he's not an advocate for your sin. He's an advocate for you to get free from your sin, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He wants freedom for you today. See, reconciliation Or repentance is not a prerequisite for relationship. Your repentance is not a prerequisite for you to to receive relationship with God. But it is a precursor to freedom. That he wants you to be free this morning. And that's David's revelation. That's why when we continue on in 2 Samuel in chapter 12, it talks about how David gets honest before God without any facade, without any mask. He says, I have sinned against you, God. And then in Psalm 40, what we read is that he starts crying out to God. And what I love about Psalm 40 is he not only cries out to God, but he waits on God and God hears his cry. See, that is the grace that we can be grounded on. Isn't it crazy that when Jesus was on the cross about to die and pay for our sins, that he literally thought of you and he thought of me? And he thought of us. But not only that, he had in mind all the mistakes you would make past, present and future. And this is how I know he didn't have an accounting mindset on. He saw the deficit and made a future allocation to cover your debt, to cover the cost. He is not your accountant. He is your advocate. Amen. This is the grace of God. And we need to be able to understand this grace because this is the same grace that David talked about that took him out of the mud onto solid ground. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, mud. And number two, momentum. Momentum. See, the understanding, the full understanding of God's grace produces a momentum in our life that will transcend any of your situations. The momentum based on the grace of God will allow you to transcend any situation that you're going through. See, we're on the top of Mauna and and uh, don't worry, we, we got the Instagram pic. I'll show you later. Um, we were above the clouds, and uh, it was incredible, and we saw it at sunset, but then all of a sudden, it started getting dark, and it started getting really cold. By the way, when you're 13,000 feet up on a mountain, apparently it gets really, really cold. And because I only did Instagram research, I was still in my short shorts and my tank top, but I'm sorry for that visual. And, and it was getting dark. So I, we needed to go back to the car. I was still nervous. You know how, like, you're trying to enjoy some certain situations, but you know you're not out of it yet, so you're kind of nervously enjoying it? Because I didn't even know if my car was going to start, right? I didn't even know if it had any gas left. But we, we went in there and said a quick prayer. It started, praise God. It started up, and I tapped the gas just enough to edge off the parking lot to where the hill started to descend. And I had been sleeping the whole way up, but I was assuming, I was hoping that the whole way that we were on there was uphill. So I was hoping I could get enough of the dissension to get some speed to start flowing down. I was going past stop signs. I was going past stop lights. I was just making sure I kept my speed up. Kim is freaking out. She's frustrated. I'm like, don't worry, babe. I'm gonna preach this one day. Just chill. Like, (laughs) And, and we're going down, literally, because we didn't have any gas, the the, the the things were fogging up. The window was fogging up, so I just had a sliver. The defroster was, I had a sliver, and I was going down these S-curves, and, and we were, like, getting some good speed. And I asked her, hey, can you GPS it now? How far are we away from the town Hilo? How far are we away from the gas? And and so she GPSs it, and we're only 20 minutes away now. We're only 20 miles away. We're high five in. We're excited. We're going to make this thing. And 20 miles later, 20 minutes later, we arrive at our destination in the town of Hilo by the grace of God. You can do anything with momentum. You can transcend any of your current situations with the right momentum. But watch this. The key to your momentum is the mountaintop. See, the key to my momentum wasn't my brilliance in switching it from drive to neutral. Because I could have done that on flat ground, nothing would have happened. The key to my momentum was not my willpower. I could have came around the car, tried to push the car down. That wouldn't have taken me to the town. The key to your momentum is the mountaintop. The ability to elevate above your situation. Hey. I read in the Bible so many places where Moses goes down to the goes up to the mountaintop to meet with God. And all of a sudden he gets instruction from God. He gets the 10 commandments and he gets God's presence. I read in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Jesus, after feeding 5,000 escapes to the mountaintop to hear from the father. I remember when pastor Adam talked about the, the, the place of decision, the garden of Gethsemane, guess what? That was in the mountain of olives. I know that day David, when he worshiped and praised God, it was from mountain of Zion. You need to make a place and a space in your life where you go to the mountaintop. That that this mountaintop doesn't need to be a physical location, but it's a representation of where you meet with God. The places where you get an elevated perspective, that mountaintop moment where. Where not only you're seeing in your situation, but you're seeing above your situation, God's perspective on the situation of what you're going through. The mountaintop meeting. And you might be asking yourself, what do I do in the mountaintop? I'm glad you asked. I want to give you three tools of what we can do on the mountaintop. You guys ready? Number one, let's pray. Let's pray on the mountaintop. Let's cultivate a conversation with God. Let's meet with God, not just seeking his hand of blessing, but seeking his face. We can number one, pray. Number two, prophesy. You know, you can prophesy on the mountaintop and prophecy is not positive speaking. Prophecy is rooted in the word of God. We can't prophesy over our situation if we're not rooted in the word of God. Prophecy is rooted in his promises. And unpacking the word of God allows you to know his promises, to declare his promises over your situation. Number three, praise. Now we can set a pattern. We can plan out our praise. How many people are planning out their mountaintop meetings with God? Did you send them that Google calendar? Because I see all the other meetings that's on there. That in these mountaintop moments, it's not just about asking of God, but thanking him for what he's already done. Because if he's faithful to do it then, then he's faithful to do it again. That we can pray, we can prophesy, we can praise in the mountaintop. I love what David says in Psalm 40 as we continue in verse 8. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Isn't that incredible that he had such a pattern of prayer, such a pattern of prophecy, and such a pattern of praise in his life that all of a sudden it was now written on his heart, that it wasn't just the mountaintop places, but it become a lifestyle where it's now written in the fabric of who he is. I want to get to that place. I want to get to that place with God. And then in Psalm forty. Verse 10, and if you're writing some notes, number one, mud, number two, momentum, number three, magnify, number three, magnify. Now we see David going from some mud to solid ground to a little bit of momentum in his life. And he says this in verse 10, he says, I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. Isn't that good? That it's written in his heart, but not hidden in his heart. He doesn't keep it to himself because he says, I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. He couldn't keep it in. It wasn't just a conviction anymore. It had to become a confession. His confession needs to match his conviction. See, the secondary reason why we went up to Mauna was because we were told that it was one of the best places on the planet to look at the stars. Not just because of the incredible elevation, not just because of the isolation from light, but because NASA has literally invested billions of dollars in telescopes and the best astronomers in the world are there studying the stars. We're up there and it's like somebody turned up the lights because we could just see everything in the night sky. And it was incredible just to be in awe of God's creation. And we were kind of looking through the telescopes and we were talking to the experts up there and a thought captivated my mind. Isn't the stars, they're just so small and it seems that it's so distant, right? Have you ever looked at the stars and it seems so small? Compared to our sun, which we see on a daily basis, which seems so massive, compared to that, it seems that the stars are so small. But we now know through modern technology and through our ability to study the stars through telescopes, we now know that the stars are not small at all. They actually dwarf our sun. They're 10 times bigger than our sun. They actually last year just found two stars that are 100 million times brighter than our sun. That's made possible through telescopes, the telescopes that allow us to bring in closer view the magnificence of the stars, the incredible nature and the details and the intricacies of the stars and how we can get a better perspective that the star is actually not small. In closer view, we see that it's much larger. It dwarfs even our own son. And the reason why I say that is because I believe the church is called to be telescopes, to bring into closer view the intricacies, the details of our God's goodness and of our God's grace. That we're called to be telescopes, to bring people closer and closer view of the magnificence of our God. And you might be wondering, Vance, I don't know how to practically do that, though. Because every time I've tried to share with my coworker or my family or my friends my faith, it's just been too complex. It's been too complex. I have good news for you today that your calling and your purpose in life is not wrapped up in spiritual complexity, but in the simplicity of your song in the simplicity of your song. Watch this. In Psalm 40, verse 3, we read it in the beginning. After David went from the mud to the solid ground, that's just his testimony. And if you've been looking how you can be a telescope, just start with your testimony because he says this. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And watch this. Then many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust In the Lord. This is amazing that because of what David has gone through and the incredible testimony that he has in Christ Jesus, now that he has that, he now has a song to sing that will allow people to see. Did you catch that? That he has now a song to sing to help people see. Wait, what? What? You're talking about a song that's going to help people see? You're talking about a sound that's going to help people see? Well, Pastor Adam preached about it, that there's a connection between sight and sound. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. By your testimony, you can be a telescope to illuminate and make spiritual blind people see the goodness and the graciousness of God. It's your testimony that's a telescope. It's your testimony that's a telescope. It's your testimony that's a telescope. And he just doesn't say song. He says new song. Because David had some hits. He had some platinum records. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He had Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those disobedience has been forgiven, whose sin has been put out of sight. Oh, what joy for whose record has been cleared of guilt. David had some platinum records. David had some songs. David had some hits. But our God is not the God of the one-hit wonder. Our God is the God of the new song. So if you've been a believer for a minute, for a year, maybe five years, I want to tell you today, he wants to do something new today in your life to give you a new testimony so that you can continue to be a telescope for his goodness and his grace. That we're called To be telescopes. We're called to magnify Him. Your purpose in life is to magnify Him and glorify Him. Two months ago now, I was on 87 North in San Jose. I was coming to some traffic and slowing down when instantly a car that was going 70 miles an hour hit me from behind. Immediately upon impact, I go unconscious and I don't ever actually remember anything from the actual event. I just remember waking up on a stretcher, being rolled in to an ambulance, just worried if my wife and my baby are okay. They weren't in the car. Praise Jesus. And I was rushed to the hospital and I was rushed to the emergency room and they're doing a bunch of tests on me. They're doing CAT scans. And by the grace of God, I didn't have any internal bleeding. I didn't have any broken bones. I didn't even have a sore back. And I'm one of those type of guys, maybe you can relate to me, that if everything's good, I'm just ready to get back in the game. You know, they just stitch me up and it's all good. But it wasn't until three days later when I had an appointment, a follow-up appointment with the plastic surgeon, because they had to sew up my face that was cut open. And, and it wasn't until then where I got from a surreal situation to a very real situation, because she was talking about how, yeah, you're healing, but just so you know, because of the incredible nerve damage on your face, your smile will never be the same. Your smile will never be the same, and for some reason that that impacted me. Your smile will never be the same. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, not today, devil, I'm here to tell you that the devil must not know because he couldn't steal my smile. But more than that, he gave me a scar that's just a sign of his sovereignty. The devil didn't know that I'm a telescope, that I'm going to use this scar to be able to magnify his glory, to let people know he's my protector. He is my solid rock. When I'm insecure, he is secure. When I need a rescuer, he's my rescuer. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. I have my salvation in him. My eternity is shored up in my heavenly father. Can we all stand in the presence of God? I really feel that the presence of God is so thick. And and I feel like some people have been in the mud. You're currently in it right now. I feel like some people have suffered some scars. But I'm here to tell you right now that your scars are going to be the very thing that's a signpost for his sovereignty in your life. That he's looking over you. That he's looking after you. That he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He goes before you. He follows after you. He surrounds you. That's his presence on your life. See, he hasn't done all these things in your life so that you can just go to church. He hasn't saved you just so you can go to group. He hasn't poured out his grace just so you can serve on team. Don't get me wrong. Church is important because we drift. Group is important because we're meant to do life in community. And serving is important because Jesus served. But he didn't do all that he's done in your life just to do those things. He did it so that you could magnify him, so that you could glorify him, so that you could be a telescope through your Facebook, so you could be a telescope through your social media, so you could be a telescope in your workplace, so you could be a telescope with your family and your friends, so that you can share your testimony, which would be a telescope to magnify our God, bringing people closer in closer view with him. To see the details and the intricacies of his glory and his grace. If you've been at Vive Church for a minute, you probably know our vision that within five years, we're going to see five campuses all across the Bay Area connecting 5,000 people to them. And to be honest, we don't have the reach or the resources to be able to see that vision fulfilled. It's going to need a move of God. It's going to need a move of God. But I dare to say that God has been moving. We just need to magnify. We just need to magnify what God has been doing, how he's been moving in our community, in our lives. Come on, is anybody grateful for the grace of God? Is anybody grateful for what he's done in your life, that we can magnify him, we can lift up our praise, we can lift up his name, and people will be drawn to him. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a story to share about what God has done in your life or what he's currently doing in your life, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at vivechurch.org For more information, for service times and locations, or to partner with us financially, visit us at vivechurch.org.